Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Dr. Karen Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Today we're talking about broken relationships, and broken hearts, and heartache. And if you have a pulse, you probably have had your heart broken before. I mean, not everyone, of course, because every once in a while you meet that person who met their husband in eighth grade, and they were high school sweethearts, and somehow they kept it together during college and got married right away. And so this 40-year-old woman right in front of you has somehow skated through life without a broken heart. But that's the exception, especially in this day and age when we're putting off marriage for longer periods of time, which as you guys know from listening to Love and Life is actually a great idea. It's a smart move because all the research shows that the older we are when we first get married, the less likely we are to get divorced. So that's a good plan, but what it also does is it keeps us in the dating scene for longer periods of time, which of course makes it more likely that we're going to experience a heartache or two or three or 300. This is Alexis Hyde, and I'm the director of the Museum of Broken Relationships in Los Angeles, California, and I love listening to Love and Life with Dr. Karen, and I know you will too. So, later in the program, we'll talk to Alexis Hyde, who's the director and curator of the Museum of Broken Relationships in L.A. But first, I want to share some thoughts on breakups. Breakups are hideous. There's really no other way to put it. And the challenge that we face when we're going through heartbreak is figuring out how to mend your heart and not be bitter, to mend your heart and not get jaded, to learn the lesson that the breakup is meant to teach you so that the experience doesn't feel like one huge waste of your time and one huge destruction of your emotional state. And... That's the challenge that is very hard, and I'll be very honest, was something I was pretty bad at in general. I don't think I was the best at recovering from heartbreak. I was that despondent girl, especially in my early 20s when my boyfriend from college, who I'll call Kyle, and any of you who know me personally, the jig is up because you know who I'm talking about, but I don't want to name names because these boys did not ask to (laughs) be guest stars on my podcast, but When Kyle and I broke up, I really lost my way for several years. And I remember my thoughts and my thought patterns at that time. I would say things to myself like, well, I guess some people get to marry the love of their life and some people don't and I'm just one of them. But that's okay because I'll make the best of it and I'll find other wonderful things in my life and I'll focus on those and I'll be thankful for them and I'll thrive in those areas. But I just won't have true love. It's just not going to be for me. Kyle got away. It's over. Now, part of that statement is really good because we've talked about on Love and Life that focusing on what is going great in your life and, and being thankful for it is certainly related to happiness. So I had half of it right with the gratitude piece. 
So that's good. But the other part of losing hope and becoming so despondent and just putting myself in the category of the type of person who will never meet the one, that was the part that really was problematic on a lot of levels. First of all, it kept me sad and depressed. And it was also really irrational when you think about it. I mean, Kyle and I broke up when I was 22, and then we were on again and off again. And then we finally, he got married at 26, so we were finally done, dead in the water, (laughs) finally. So, okay, at 26, my hope that Kyle and I would straighten everything out and finally get together was over. But I'm 26. I mean, I had my whole life ahead of me. And yet here I was, considering myself just true love was done for me, no hope. And and that was so irrational, which one of my favorite therapeutic orientations is called REBT, Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy, by Dr. Albert Ellis. And I'm going to devote an entire podcast episode or several to that method of therapy because that modality really helps us take charge of our thoughts and take charge of our lives. And it's been very instrumental for me over the years. But at the time, I wasn't using it effectively. I'd I'd already been to grad school to learn it, but I was not using it effectively in my own life, obviously, because I let my breakup with Kyle completely overwhelm me and overwhelm my thinking. I let it take hold. I let it convince me that true love wasn't for me. I let this one breakup rob me of the belief that I had a happy, positive, love-filled future. I did that. No one did that to me. Kyle didn't do it to me. The breakup didn't do it to me. I did that to me. I could have changed my mindset at any point, but I didn't. And I share all this with you because as we talk to Alexis of the Museum of Broken Relationships in just a few minutes, I want you to think about what breakups have done to you, but more importantly, what you've allowed them to do to you and what you will or won't allow them to do to you in the future. Alexis Hyde, welcome to Love and Life. Thank you so much for having me. It is such a pleasure to have you on the program. And just to jump in here, you are the director of the Museum of Broken Relationships. So that's not something you see every day. And that's just (laughs) very unusual. And to me, as a relationship person, a really genius idea. But first things first, just give us the inspiration for the museum. Absolutely. So it started actually... A little over 10 years ago in Zagreb, Croatia, an artist couple were dating and they broke up and they joked that between the two of them, they could start this museum of broken relationships with what was left over of their relationship. And a few years later, they'd remain friends and they were like, this idea kind of has legs. And they started talking to their friends and their family. And of course, everybody has something because Everybody has something. And they displayed everything anonymously, these donations from their friends and family, along with the story of what happened and where it happened. And they made the first pop-up in 2006 of the Museum of Broken Relationships exhibition. And it was wildly popular because everyone can relate. And they started touring immediately. And it's been touring ever since. And then they have their permanent location in Zagreb, and we're in between locations right now in Los Angeles. Right. I saw that on your website. So you have so much material and so many installations (laughs) and, 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 and artifacts, I guess I should say. 
that mm-hmm. you need a bigger space? Is that what's going on right now? Yeah, we, you know, we're looking for a space kind of because you know, we were over on Hollywood and Highland, which was great, but it's just, you know, it's a very specific area of Los Angeles. And so we're trying to find something a little bit more catered to, you know, putting you through an emotional roller coaster for lack of a better word. And then I just kind of put you out on the streets. I think I'd like to do it somewhere other than Hollywood Boulevard, maybe somewhere where you can go to, you know, like a nice quiet bar or coffee shop and, and have a moment to uh, collect yourself. Well, okay. Cause that was one of the thoughts I had as I was preparing for this interview. I thought, now, do they have an on-site therapist or crisis counselor <laughs> available for visitors who might, I mean, this is going to stir stuff up. Like you said, oh, everyone does. can relate and I, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself, but yeah. So yeah. What do you do? Do you have any uh, flyers that people walk away with, with some crisis hotline numbers or? Right. We it's, well, I, I curate it in a specific way. So when you come through, you know, I have a, the very beginning part of it is kind of the objects that you'd expect to see. I have like a wedding dress stuffed in a jar and I had a cheerleading outfit up on the wall from a, you know, woman who was going to wear it for her boyfriend later that night. And then he texted her and broke up with her instead of coming over. (laughs) So the things that you kind of expect to see. And then as you continue to go through, I kind of brought in your minds of what a broken relationship means. It's not just romantic, mm-hmm. it's with family and places mm-hmm. and business and friends. And then now that I've kind of prepped you into you know what to hear, what to see, I mean, in process, then I kind of rip your heart <laughs> out and I get into the really, really heavy stories. Mm-hmm. And then after that, though, I start you know, it's people looking back with fondness and humor and just because it's broken doesn't mean it was wrong or I learned something or just because it was hard doesn't mean it wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. So hopefully if I've done my job properly, which anecdotally I have, yeah. <laughs> I've heard from people that um, you actually leave feeling very uplifted and uh, and connected because you understand that all those times when you were the felt like you were the most alone is actually when you're the most connected and that you know all of these every single object here is somebody who got through something and they came out the other side and you know were strong enough to share it with strangers and that's incredible and so actually you leave kind of you know, a little bolstered in the soul area, feeling like maybe you can make it through some things that you didn't realize you could before. I love it. I, okay. And did you consult with a psychologist as you were constructing the, the flow? Or is that just you, Alexis? I, mean, that's, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> that was just me. Um, I was, well, because I, I wanted to, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just one throwing you in the deep end. And I also wanted, you know, I was thinking about people who were coming in who were very familiar with the museum and they knew what they were getting themselves into. And then there would be people walking in off the street who don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to give them a nice introduction to, all right, this is what I'm getting into. Okay, this is, so there's there's like a flow to it that also Mm -hmm. is just basic. I like to think, you know, storytelling, like, okay, Mm. I've gotten this one and what's the good story that goes into next. And then also have as many different perspectives as possible, especially if I have one story from say an older man about a 45 year uh, friendship that is now broken. And then next Mm. to it, I have 
you know, a very specific story from maybe like a younger uh, gay woman, but the themes that they're talking about, you know, the, the general motifs that they, they're talking about are actually really the same of, of loss and wanting to belong and connection. So that also helps with uh, making sure that everyone knows that, you know, we're all the same and we're all looking for the same things. And it's kind of a, a smooth empathy workout. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I love that. That's the beauty in the pain, the beauty Mm -hmm. that you are revealing and hoping that your visitors will connect with is like you said, that we're not alone when we feel most alone. We're not, it is a universal experience. Also as a psychologist, there's this tension for me when I'm working with people and talking with people or having conversations with friends between really honoring and validating the pain of a broken relationship, Mm -hmm. yet at the same time, wanting to also find the lesson, find the, the, what we can take from that so that we don't Mm -hmm. see that relationship and the time that was spent and the hurt that you endured. We don't see that as just wasted time and wasted pain and it was hideous and I'm bitter and jaded forever. So I love how you are trying to bring that in some of of the the latter part of the the process of walking through. People will be able to get that, find that lesson and that, and and again, that connection that we've all been there and that can be healing in and of itself. Hopefully <laughs> that's the, that's the point. I mean, that's the entire concept yeah. of this museum is, you know, you, you're walking through what's this kind of preemptive archeology span of what's important to us now. And this is what's important to us now. This is what we talk about over, you know, on social media and on text message with our friends and at the water cooler. And it's just, this is, you know, drinks at the bar. Like we're all want to talk about like what's going on with your love life right. or oh, this is what my friend did, or this is what my boss did. And, you know, sometimes they're harder and sometimes it's not as hard. And but it doesn't make any of them less important. And I think that's the really beautiful message because I do have stories about people, you know, like some fast and furious relationships that last like a week. And I find that those just because it was only a week long doesn't mean it wasn't valid. Mm -hmm. And just because, you know, I can't, I don't want to have an entire museum of, you know, 50 year marriages because not everyone can relate to that either. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's like the really wonderful thing about it is that you've got so many different perspectives and so many different people and they are trying to figure out what they got out of it. And not every story is about the breakup. You know, it's just some stories are just, you know, the relationship ended after six years and this is just a story of one night we went out to dinner and had a good time. Mm -hmm. And I love like a donation like that too, of like, this is what you're choosing to remember. And I love that. And then some of them are, you know, F you <laughs> and your face and I never want to see you again. And that's fine too, you know, cause at least you're, you're expressing yourself and you're feeling these things and you're not pretending something, something that it's not, which I think a lot of people have a tendency to either pretend like they're fine right. or, uh, you know, pretend like it didn't matter. And it does. Yeah. And that's probably their coping strategy Du jour, you know, and I don't know if they'll stay in that place, but for a while, it just it's part denial, probably. I'm just going to deny that this impacted me at all. And, exactly. and we have to honor their stage of grief that they're in. And, and that, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, but that leads me to a question. So, you are the curator, 
Yes. And you said that you get submissions. As, as, did I hear that correctly? So, yes, so, I do. yes. So my listeners could say, hey, Alexis, I've got an, an artifact to share from this wicked breakup I went through, or how does it work? Absolutely. You head to our website, which is brokenships.la, and click the donate button. And I ask you what the object is, where the relationship took place, the dates, and the story. And the story is up to you. Like I said, some people talk about the breakup. Some people talk about just a day. Some people talk about like overall feelings. It's really up to the donor to tell the story in the way they feel like it should be told. And then I you send you instructions on how to mail it to me and hopefully you mail it to me. Um, I do get a lot of people not mailing it to me hmm. because I believe, you know, once you're confronted with the idea of parting with this physical object, it, you know, these things become totems of these relationships that are ultimately abstract. And it's kind of the proof that this happened and it was real. And we invest so much time and energy into these things. It's hard to part with them. Um, and I always let people know that if you realize you're not ready, that's fine. I don't want to take something from someone who still you know, needs it for whatever reasons they have. But when you're ready, I'm here. Wow, <laughs> and I got that's... a lot of friends here waiting for you too. <laughs> That's so interesting. And it is interesting that some people, maybe it's just cathartic enough mm -hmm. to express it and, and to tell their story on your site. And yeah. then, like you said, that, that final phase of letting go, they're just not ready. Do you, so do you then include the story? Is there a little sign next to each artifact or, or yes. piece in the, and, and so the story is told. So the story is told and they are, it's all anonymous. I don't take, except any photographs. Um, mm. or names. And if it's something really uh, generic, you know, John from Texas, I'll, I won't <laughs> worry about him. I think I've got a, a, a Mary in, from Maryland. It's, you know, you'd be hard pressed to find <laughs> to find that person, but you know, no last names. And I think that that also leads people to be a little bit more honest about what happened, maybe take a little bit more ownership of what they might have done, or maybe what happened to them in a way that they don't feel comfortable telling their friends or family. And, you know, just to be honest about what their perspective is. And then I display the object along with the story of where and when it took place. So when you go through and you see and you're like, oh, my gosh, that's happened to me. And then you look at the place and it's Singapore mm -hmm. or you look at the place and it's Alabama. And you're like, oh, this is mm -hmm. this is everyone. This is everywhere. And or maybe you don't realize until the end of the story that this is from, you know, someone who's, you know, straight and you're queer or a man and you're a woman or a woman and you're a man or married and you're single and be like, oh, this is these are things that I feel, too. And a lot of the stories that I loved, in, too, is are the ones that don't even have any gender identifiers and they just talk about you or me mm -hmm. and you and me. Mm -hmm. And I hear people talking about these stories afterwards and they'll say and it's always you know, say, for instance, it might be me as a straight woman, I'd be like, Oh, did you see the one about the woman who donated to about the guy? Or if it was a maybe a gay man, he'd be like, did you see the one about the guy and the guy? Because you just automatically put yourself oh, in the shoes, sure. because there are no identifiers. And it's wonderful, because people will talk to me about these stories. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Because for legal reasons, I have the name. And I know what the because I have to have it donated over to me and you have to sign it, you know, saying that you're donating the object to the museum and I have to have your contact information so I know if it's a man or a woman or whoever who donated. Right. And so someone will be like, Oh, you know, the one about the guy. I'm like, I have no idea 
what you're talking about. And then I'll go over and I'm like, oh my gosh, of course. It doesn't say, and and I love that though, because you can't help, but that's but that's good storytelling and that's good, you know, I mean, hopefully it's a good exhibition where you really are able to put yourself into these positions and see the world through other people's eyes. Well, I love it too, because as we've talked about, it just really underscores the universality of our emotions and our experiences. And and so I'm curious, is that part of the mission of the museum that you, that, that was part of what you were hoping to achieve is, is exactly what you have that, that people would go, Hey, I, wow, I didn't think I had anything in common with someone from Singapore or Alabama, like you said, but I, apparently I do. Yes. Yes, that is exactly. I mean, that was part of the reason we kind of were hoping we've that Hollywood Boulevard would be so great because it's such a good melting pot of Los Angeles and it's such a universal concept that this is something for everyone, that this is the most, you know, what do you do when your museum's demographic is actually mm-hmm. everybody? Because everyone can learn something from it. And I think that's that was part or that is part of my curatorial mm-hmm. mission is to make sure that there's as many people represented as possible and as many different walks of life and different types of relationships as possible. I would, I wish I had more family and friend donations, but I've found from people who've been donating that when I follow up asking if they were going to send it in, that those are the ones that are people have the hardest time letting go of. And I think because it's societal, we're more prepared for broken Mm -hmm. romantic relationships you know we've got the songs and we've got the rom-coms and we've got the movies we're we expect that and but how do you how do you grieve a loss of a best friend you kind of always hope that maybe they're going to come back or maybe you've got a broken relationship with your sibling that's really hard and again like hopefully I think people think that they'll come back and if they you know give it up but I think that give up the object in the story, then that makes it a little bit more real. And I think that people are kind of hoping that maybe it won't be as real if they hold on to it, or maybe it's a little bit of a superstition kind of a thing because these objects do have emotional power for us because we do make these, you know, unofficial totems and they do come to represent relationships and it's kind of hard not to, you know, maybe think a little bit, further down of, oh, well, if I got rid of that, then maybe that means I'll never talk to this person again because I, I'm the one who ended it. Mm-hmm. They're not ready for that. Right. And I, the final straw was when I sent away this mm-hmm. memento of our relationship. And I think that's a really excellent point. I hadn't thought about that, that perhaps society kind of primes us or preps us for broken hearts with romantic relationships, but not so much with family and friendships. That's really interesting. I'd never thought about that. So who is the typical visitor? Do you see just the average Joe walking through or do you see people kind of on a pilgrimage to, <laughs> to, I get, oh my gosh, I get, I get both. I, I mean, I get everyone. I do have people who, you know, I'm on a road trip from Texas and I'm leaving my man and here's the object. And I road tripped mm-hmm. it here. I have the full on pilgrimages and it's amazing and beautiful and revelatory. And, and I love that, you know, as part of someone's process that they've decided to include us and they're really making a ritual out of it, which, you know, I think, I think is a really constructive use of energy and time right. <laughs> after a break. So therapeutic. 
um, <laughs> as someone who prefers couches and ice cream, I'm like, yeah, road trip. That's really good. <laughs> uh, so I definitely have those people. And I have just, you know, the wander ins and they're like, oh, wait, this sounds interesting. And I always got more groups of men than I thought I was going to get because as we all know, the patriarchy hurts everybody. And I love that, you know, so many men would come in and, and be okay, you know, yeah. emoting in public. Uh, I thought that was incredible. And a lot of couples, a lot, a lot, a lot of couples. And it was always my favorite thing because one always wanted to come in more than the other. And it wasn't, um, and this is, you know, across all uh, sexualities, not just women and men, but um, one person wanted to come in more than the other. And they, in the beginning, one, you know, one person's really excited and the other one would be kind of hemming and hawing and then they'd start reading and then about a quarter of the way through, they're holding hands and a little bit further, they're linking arms and about three quarters of the way through, they're just pretzels and making wow. out. And, <laughs> and I think there'd be something really, I think, you know, people would say like, oh no, my boyfriend wants to take me to the Museum of Broken right. Relationships. Is he breaking things up, up with me? But then I'd also be like, I want to take my partner to the museum mm -hmm. to show them that we're not broken yet or to show them that how much I appreciate them because relationships are hard work. And this is a little bit of a graveyard, but we're still doing this and I'm, I appreciate you and the work that we're putting in. And this is, you know, this is something that's worth it to me. And, um, that leads to a lot of, <laughs> a lot of pressing lips. <laughs> now, do you ever have a couple though, who is breaking up or has broken up and this is kind of their last hurrah or something of that nature that you know of? I have had recent exes come in together. Um, I don't supposedly I've had, we have a confessional uh, in the museum where people can leave like their notes. Cause that seems to, that's the most immediate reaction for everyone is they want to tell their story. Mm. And in the confession, in the confessional, I'll, I've had uh, one or two confessions over the last year and a half where someone admitted that, you know, I, I, I brought her here to break up with her or she brought me here to break up with me. And I don't know if it's true or if someone's just, I've never, I've never seen any screaming or fighting or crying. Yeah. And, but I have had, I, I've, I've talked to quite a few people who've come in who've just recently broken up or broken up in the last, well, recently, like the last year. And they've come in with their ex and they really enjoyed talking about it. And because I think it, it does become a very safe place to talk about, things that maybe you weren't aware of or a story might trigger something that you didn't realize was upsetting you about a past relationship or maybe that relationship. And it's like, Oh look, like, yeah, this was, this is what was going on with us. And it is, it isn't something that's sustainable. Look, because this happened to, you know, this person in London or, you know, and this person in Hong Kong and that is insurmountable, but we tried and, you know, here we are and we're learning and we're going to hopefully go off and, make better choices next time. I'm just imagining going through the, your museum with an ex. <laughs> oh I my. I mean, I think these people are pretty involved. <laughs> really. I know, right? I, it depends on my ex. I know, I'm kind of going through the, the Rolodex of the exes and I'm going, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who would be okay? As far as the original couple, I'm curious, are, are they still 
friends and are they oh yeah and are, are they still involved are they on the board of directors or something of that yeah they're the so they're the founding artists and uh drajan and alinka and mm-hmm. they yeah they're still business partners and they still try they joke that they see each other now more than they ever did when they were dating um <laughs> because they the museums they're you know they're traveling all over the world doing pop-up exhibitions of this and they have you know events at the museum in Croatia, and they'll be hanging out there together. But they're very close. And it was I talked to them about it last time I saw them, and they were saying how you know they knew that they were supposed to be in each other's lives. It just took them a while to figure out what that was supposed to be, how that was supposed to look. And it turned out you know it wasn't a romantic relationship at all. It was a business and artistic relationship that they that they were destined to have. And uh, I love that they were so evolved, as you say, because I don't know if I could do it. <laughs> Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. I'd love to connect with you on social media. On Instagram, I'm at Dr. Karen, D-R dot K-A-R-I-N. Here I share my thoughts on love and life through original quotes and images. I'd love to have you join the conversation. On Twitter, I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson. You can find me live tweeting my favorite shows, This Is Us, Will and Grace, and My Guilty Pleasure. All shows Bachelor Nation. On Facebook, I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. There, you can read my blog, see where I'm speaking, and find links to others' podcasts when I'm a guest on their show. I feel like I'm making a lot of presumptions about how good I do of a job, but if I've done my job right, exactly, is I want you to be leaving, you know, I don't want you to forget the really hard stories that, you know, really just break your heart in the middle. But some of the stories at the end where it's even, you know, people looking back with fondness were also really hard and you can still see that, but that doesn't mean that they're not past it. And, and that it's okay to get past things and that time can heal and, that you can learn lessons and you can have, you know, just because the, re- the relationship was terrible doesn't mean that you can't remember that time that you guys went to the county fair and had a great day. You know, nothing's going to take that great day away from you. And that's okay. And that's great. I remember this was years ago now. I read an article back when uh, the Duchess Fergie was married to Prince Charles' younger brother. Andrew, I think. And they were already divorced and they were raising their young daughters together. And it was was a lot about just how do you co-parent when you're not married and all this. And they kind of asked her about a future. Now, again, this is years ago. I don't even know what's going on with either of them. But I remember she said something so poignant, very much like what you just said. She said, you always have that love that you had and that should be honored and, and respected for what it was when it was. And mm. yeah, and I loved that. And I actually ripped, I mean, I still have that. So I tore it out of the magazine because I was going through some, of course, bad breakups. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know, just because it didn't go the distance doesn't mean that I can't look back fondly and still honor that relationship for the beautiful thing that it was for however long it was. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, that was hard for me because I was still in my angry phase. <laughs> you know? And so that was a lesson that I needed to learn. And obviously it really spoke to me. So I, I, I always remembered that. So that's neat how you said that, that just thinking about that day, that day is still beautiful and, and priceless. So I'm imagining if I donated something, I would want to come and like hide in the corner and watch people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have people who yep. do that? <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes. 
No, I've, I've caught at least yeah. six or seven donors just sitting and they're like, I have to leave. I've been here for three hours. And I'm like, I get it. This is why I didn't donate something of my own because I wouldn't get any work done. Right. right. I'd just be like waiting at the end and be like, what did you think about the fill in the blank in the third room? And people would be like, what? It was fine. I'm like, but don't you think it was really more than fine? <laughs> Yeah, that was one of the more profound pieces of the museum. Really, a, a very just iconic, and I think I'm using the word iconic properly. Just go back and reread it. Um, like all of the T-shirts only have that object on there. Yeah, and then I also didn't want to give any of my exes the, you know, start turning this into, you know, you're so vain. You probably think this museum is about you. <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> I, I just know for a fact I would have to. I'd have to be creeping around. And, oh, and, yeah. and also, like, full, disclo full disclosure, I would want people crying a bit. <laughs> if mm -hmm. I, do you, and, and so I would imagine you do see a lot of tears on a daily oh, yes. basis. Yeah, oh, yes. Oh, yes. We sell tissues in the gift shop for a reason. Um, no, it's it, – well, especially for the people who don't – it always hits the people who don't think that they're going to be hit. Mm. Um because I think they just, you know, they start reading and then they're just not as prepared as someone who might be a little bit more rigorous in their emotional letting on a regular basis. You know, if you're yeah. someone who who's very open with the waterworks, I think sometimes that's even a little bit less, you're less likely at the museum than someone who might be a little bit more buttoned up. Um, especially people who come in, I can tell you how many times I'd have, you know, producers or somebody doing a quick little news thing for the Arizona daily news or whatever. And all of a sudden I turn around the cameraman's crying yeah. and he's like, I just didn't expect it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, when it, when it comes out of left field, it's hard. Right. That's an interesting point that those who aren't prepared. And then some of us who kind of know that we are the types that uh, the waterworks mm -hmm. come out pretty regularly. We're ready. We probably we're armed. Yeah, we're ready. We're already prepped. Yeah. It's like, I know what's coming. <laughs> like hit me. Yeah, I'm going down. I know it. Mm -hmm. I win. <laughs> <laughs> okay so alexis thank you so much for coming on the show one final question do you take yeah. song submissions oh yes okay i do i've gotten i've gotten three uh three songs one in lyric form one in sheet music form and one in mp3 form and how do you because i write songs and i have a boatload of brokenhearted Ooh. songs so i'd be happy Hello. to submit one yes please 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 yeah thank you how, what, how do you do you have a some headphones set up and people just click play or i have not had one where i've had to do that yet but i am prepared with headphones and an ipad to get the whole thing set up the minute i've got one that's gonna fit in the curation it's going up okay i'm submitting sure. I'm ready. I'm ready and I'm willing. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. I'm submitting. This is great. Yes. <laughs> but again, thank you so much for coming on the program. Where can listeners find out more? When are you guys opening up your new space in LA and where can they find you on social media and contact you if they have something to submit? Of course. Uh, our website is brokenships.la and we are on all social media at Broken Ships LA, or you can just Google Museum Broken Ships, uh, Broken Relationships Los Angeles. Um, we are currently at the mercy of the market, but we are looking and hopefully in the next, you know, after now that we're off the holiday break, we'll have some good progress. But we'll be definitely stay tuned to our social media because that is where it will be announced first. Excellent. Thank you so much. Again, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. Me too. This is so much fun. 
So the love and life hack for this week is, been there, felt that. You're not alone. If you're going through heartbreak, remember others have been there too. They felt that too. And if you have the chance, take a trip to the Museum of Broken Relationships and see that you're not alone. Thanks for subscribing and liking the show wherever you listen to podcasts on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Spreaker. And guess what? We're now on iHeartRadio at Dr. Karen Love and Life. If you head over to my website, please sign up for my love and life newsletter at drkaren.me. Let's connect on social. On Twitter, I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson. On Facebook, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. On Instagram, I'm at Dr. Karen, D-R dot K-A-R-I-N. Thanks so much to my producer, Michelle Musso, my communications manager, Chip Gregory, and my booking assistant, Christine Enfanger. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, make it a great week. <laughs>